This episode is dedicated to George Floyd. For better justice, another dope scar face release. This is a serious style for the gifted pro black radical raps uplifting. Still growing, the power so strong, you can't stop it now. in the SFC. I'm Schmitty, and this is Talkin' Schmidt. Today on the show is Laban Fideas. Laban was born in a house in the West Coast and moved to Maine for some of his early years before returning back to the West Coast and eventually becoming a pro skateboarder for Blockhead Skateboards. He's a wicked good juggler, an amazing cinematographer, 100% vegan, friends with Rob Collinson, and during his time at Fuel TV, he produced and directed the incredible hit series Barn, Dog, and Damien. I have the hard drives. I would have to, like, 
dig up the episodes and then just export them for and put them out there and it's like okay i see what you're doing and i gotta fucking i gotta end up doing that all right i'm gonna figure it out give me some time i've been struggling the last few days trying to figure out what to say or do i believe it's important for me to say or do something however i'm not always the best at articulating what i'm feeling but here it goes Understand this. We must end racism. Black lives matter. We all must do more to challenge ourselves to get smarter, wiser, and to be a part of a crucial change that is far too long coming. This should not be the quote-unquote normal in 2020 America. It cannot be be normal. Hopefully I'm preaching to the choir, but part of my plan is to challenge myself to speak out and act in positive ways and engage with not just those who align with my feelings, but to think outside the comfort bubble as well. I know that I don't have all the answers, but just like everything else I do, I'm going to give it my all to try to be the best I can be. Let's all raise our voices and fists in solidarity with the ones all over the nation that are fighting for black folks' rights to breathe and live. Big love, y'all. The following interview was recorded before the shooting of George Floyd. Hey, this is Laban, and you're listening to Talkin' Schmidt. It's cool, like tonight is the night. Here we go again. Just give it the old cars turn, isn't it? All big dogs in. Schmitty. 96 times Schmitty. Thanks, Schmitty. We on? Schmitty. Talking Schmidt. That's called going to the hospital, bitch. I be shit my pants. You roll the decks, it's fucking deep. I don't give a fuck about your fucking multi-million dollar numbers. Who is this guy thinks he's tough shit? What's up? I'm here for Greg Smith. Hello, everybody. I am still Zooming, and I Zoomed all the way down to Southern California today for a little catch-up with Laban. What's going on, man? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I've been um, actually skateboarding probably a lot more during the pandemic for some reason and, uh, and juggling a lot more uh, quite regularly because I got a backyard and uh, I'm feeling pretty lucky to have that backyard because, you know, I don't need to leave the house and I can just like spend hours out there skating and uh, and juggling. It's awesome. Right. No, as somebody that doesn't have a yard, it's one of the main things I envy during these times, especially like to just be able to go back out there and just lay out or something and get some rays of sun seems really great. Oh, yeah. I, I I'm actually loving it, <laughs> loving it. I mean, I miss skating with the homies. I'm not going out and meeting up, and I'm not like. I mean, I thought about it a couple times. I know other people are having sessions, but like, I haven't even done that. Like, I just been keeping it here. It's it's pretty easy to keep it here when I can just walk out there right. and keep it keep it keep it safe and and. Yeah, I I have like this weird guilt if I even. It just feels like I'm doing something wrong, like to go do that stuff. I don't want, I don't want to um, 
be that guy, I guess. Like, oh, you're fucking blowing it. Like, what are you doing or whatever? Like, But nobody seems to really know 100% like what's going on. <laughs> you know, uh, right when the day in L.A., the day that they shut L.A. down, and I'm talking they, they said – the news came out that morning that they're shutting all bars down and everything mm. uh, by a certain time. Uh, I think it was 8 o'clock or something like that. Um, uh, we had already had tickets. Uh, Dave Berthold, Blockhead Skateboards, yep. and O, you you know O, yeah, obviously. Yeah. And um, they they came up, and there was a show that we'd, we'd been um, planning on seeing. It was The Mummies. Oh, sick. Which is, you know, totally... Awesome. And then so then the news came in and we're like, wait, what's going on? Because this is literally like before no one knew a lot uh, about what was going on then, especially then. They didn't really know. And it's like, wait, they're shutting all the bars down because of this. But that was on the day they shut it down. That was the last show I went to was with uh, was the mummies. And it was the last session I had in the backyard. Oh, took pictures and Dave was skating and we were having and Jesse Hotchkiss. We were having a great session and a great it was the great greatest last day before everything got shut down Uh and then you know i actually even felt guilty you know that night going to the mummies uh because i was like wait well i don't know what's going on but like the shows there they were stopping their next show after the mummies uh which was later on that night because oh yeah the mummies was an early show it was before dark it was an early show uh and uh but that was my last, my last day. So, who knows, man? I can't wait till because I love going to shows. I love going to punk shows. Yeah. I love, I love going to all sorts of stuff. And and uh, who knows when that's going to happen? I know it doesn't seem like any time in the near future. Yeah. Now we're trying to figure out the delivery. So I got finally it took weeks, but I got my first delivery coming on uh, on the first, and it's like called Farm Fresh to You, and I'm getting like. You know, the fresh, you know, fruits and vegetables, which is, yeah, you, know, you need a steady supply of that. So that's the hardest part. And I know that you're vegan, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's like we get our uh, groceries delivered and we can pretty much get it from like Instacart has options for, I think, Whole Foods, Safeway and even Target. But the produce is pretty much shit. So like yeah. I usually go to the market to get my produce and we've done and we stock up like a bunch so i've only gone like three times but yeah i'm yeah. thinking for your world it's probably a lot tougher yeah i mean i mean what do you do you just try to do the best you can and and try to keep it safe you know i i you know i'm, I'm not really into like the the people protesting it or like saying that it's you know something that it's not and uh, and just going out there and possibly making it worse, you know. So I want them to figure out how to get this thing contained better. And I want a better world to come out of this mess, you know. People hopefully to, to think of a, a new way that this world can move forward, you know. Uh, and not like, you know, you know, not just like the billionaires taking advantage. Like there's a, there's a new world waiting for everyone, <laughs> You Absolutely. Know. So let's get into it. Where where were you born in? Not in Maine, right? You were where were you born? No, no, no. I was I was born in a house. Actually, I was a home birth in Lucadia, California. 
Oh. And which is, you know, right, right by Encinitas. Mm-hmm. And um, a funny story about that is, so I was born in the living room of that house. Home of the panicking. You know, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, uh, you know, I spent the whole first part of my life there. And then later on, okay, full skateboarder, you know, remember, you know, this was during the time, remember there in uh, Del Mar, there was a bridge ramp. It was under the bridge in Del Mar. Everyone used to skate it. Yep. Um, so it was around that time. And then uh, do you remember Josh Nelson, skateboarder? Yeah. Josh Nelson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a legend from uh, San Diego. So all of a sudden, like, he has a backyard ramp, supposedly, and, like, you know, and, you know, Reese Simpson, you remember him? Like, oh, it was, yeah. like, that that crowd, right? And we heard about this mini ramp, and I'm just, like, a little kid, right? Like, but I'm like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go there. Uh, and so all of a sudden, I'm like, I recognize this street, and then I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. And we go to the end of the cul-de-sac and I'm like, dude, that's where I was born. Where's the ramp? And they're like, oh, it's it's here at this house. It's funny. I just said recognize. My, my first word I said when I was uh, a baby was recognize. Oh, yeah. And that's what my mom tells me. And she said it was because do you recognize this street? Which was an extra layer of weirdness. So anyways, I'm like, wait, I recognize this. Wait a minute. And so we go through the house and I'm looking at the fucking living room and I'm like, dude, that's where I was literally born. And we go out the back door, dude. And then there's the raddest mini ramp ever, dude. It was it was such a cool session. Now, I couldn't hang with those guys. Imagine Reese Simpson. Like, I'm like, I think I've got my hair half black, half white. I'm dirty fucking punk, you know, (laughs) and I'm like just trying to learn transition. But like and they're, of course, doing the longest Smith grinds and all that. Like, you know, but uh, it was it was a pretty rad experience. So you were born in Lucadia and you you lived there till how old? Man, I want to say almost 10. Maybe, you know, I want to say, you know, I was, I spent like years there. Okay. I really can't remember, but it was many enough, enough years for me to remember it solidly, you know, and, and, you know, other stories at that house, uh, somehow when my dad was working on the roof or something like that, as a baby, I'd climbed up the ladder and I ended up jumping off the roof because I thought back then that I could fly. Like I literally thought I could fly as a little kid. Oh, shit. And, I, and I was certain that I was going to do it. And uh, and it didn't happen, but I was all right. But I fell one story. <laughs> oh, my brother did the same thing off a slide. It's weird when you're a kid that you don't know the boundaries. Like, of course I can fly. <laughs> like, you know. I've seen it on TV. Cool. Yeah. So then did you move to Maine when you were like around 10? No, it was a little after it was um, it was at that very important age um, around, you know, 13, 14, you know, when you're uh, just becoming a, a teenager, which is like a lot of. Yes. So, oh, yes, wow. I went to my first uh, year of um, I guess is that. Yeah. Of high school. And you know what? I only went to one year of high school. That was my whole education before I got my GED. But, but yeah, that's where, actually, no, no, that was seventh grade, wasn't it? That's pre-high school. Yeah, I think seven, eight is junior high, and then nine is high school. So, yeah, and Maine was crazy. I didn't fit in at all. Imagine growing up in San Diego, and, I, you know, I had a skateboard when I was a kid. You know, we, we it was like a, just something you had, and we would just have fun on them. A lot mm. of times we would just sit on them and 
what's it called where two people are sitting yeah yeah catamaran and then you just try to go down a hill and then a lot of times the hills oh, are yeah. totally stupid and then you eat shit it was like that yeah. and uh it's kind of my, funny and shit yeah so my first board it was at kmart and it was called a a, a kamikaze okay and uh and but that's i don't consider that my first real board but that's like a you know it's a shitty board but that right. was what i had when i was a kid and then uh, when I moved to Maine, I didn't really know there was like such thing as like a skateboarder. Like it was just something that you did, like that I did, like uh, until I met Rob Collinson, and uh, at school, by the way. So all of a sudden, like, I oh, mean, I have so many fucking Rob Collinson stories. <laughs> it will, He's the it's best. insane. I could go on and on. True or false, you met him breakdancing. You know what? I would say that's true. Um, and and, and I'll, I'll give you the, the real story to that. It was at a dance. So imagine a school dance. I don't know Rob. And um, I was like, I don't have any friends. I don't fit into to Maine at all. And so I'm like, fuck it. At the school dance, I'm going to fucking breakdance. I just started doing that. And then one of the things I did, I think it was called a 1990. Because at the time when it was invented, it was the '90s were so like advanced move. But it's a one-handed, you know, handstand where you spin on you spin on one hand like a one-handed handstand. So yeah. I did that, and I sort of ended my little fucking breakdance routine with a, a, a 1990. And uh, Rob came up to me and he's like, "Hey, you'd be pretty good at street plants." Or or yeah, he said something. I didn't know what street plants were, but he's like, "Yeah." you'd be good at skating. You could do street plants. And I'm like, okay, like, fuck yeah. Like it was like, I, you know, and so dude, that night we ended up like just messing around with no boards, doing street plants at the school dance. That's all we did. Like he was showing me like, Oh, you could do like a sad plant. You could do like this. And, you know, so we're doing all that. And we, and then, uh, by the end of that, I fucking went home with Rob and stayed at his house it for i don't even know the guy right and so he this had a is bunk. in machias right yeah and i had lived in east machias he lived in machias and uh okay. and so like the first night imagine i don't know this kid i i'm sleeping on the top bed <laughs> just get ready for this fucking story dude it's because i don't i don't fucking know him right and yeah. uh and so i'm on the top bunk dude and he fucking picks the biggest booger that you can fucking imagine and i don't see it and all of a sudden literally a hand comes up slaps across my face and he wipes the biggest fucking booger across my face that was how i that's the true story of how i met rob dude oh Oh my god it was nuts dude he's always been the same it sounds like (laughs) (laughs) yeah so then that kind of sparked you to get a real skateboard? Yeah, dude. Um, because, you know, Rob was 100% skateboarder, you know, back uh-huh. then. Because Rob also, like me, didn't fully fit in to Maine. You know, Maine at the time, you know, this is during satanic panic times, you know. This is a weird, a weird time in history. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like... During that time, lots of people went down during the satanic panic time, including us. Like, my mom got accused of being the leader, you know, of a satanic cult. Um, oh, wow. And this is after I 
after we got so into skateboarding, all of a sudden at that time, they didn't look at skateboarding as cool or good, right? So we had a barn at our house and, uh, you know, my brother was always painting. He was always an artist and we were always like spray painting and painting and we painted skate logos, you know, from magazines because we got super into skating after meeting Rob like full on. And uh, so one of the things, you know, that, you know, Vision Psycho Stick, you know, painted that character. Uh, another thing, remember Drunk Engines? Oh, yeah. I like the times of panic and worry Gives me the chance to prove myself as a man A magic man Converting a heaven from hell Blatantly your history Will never remember the tasks But still the same They're not in vain It sets a course for you You Yeah so they had an ad, I think, at Thrasher, and it had this like awesome artwork logo. We recreated that in our barn, and we like oh, we like painted like Thrasher. You know, it was all like skate stuff all around. Someone snuck into our barn and uh, took pictures, and they said it was all satanic like logos and stuff like that. It wasn't. They just didn't know skate what skateboarding was, and we were already oh. weird because we were weren't from there. We got accused of killing neighborhood, like, animals and stuff like that. And it's like, dude, of course, like, the vegans, like, move in and we're the ones. Like, everyone else yeah. has fucking uh, shotguns in their fucking truck. And they they literally hang their deers the closest to the road to brag about it. We're the only <laughs> ones that aren't fucking doing that. And we got accused of killing their animals. It was insane. Um, we, we basically got run out of that town. Because, like, the, the look, you couldn't go anywhere without people looking at you funny and all that. People were scared that of that, whatever, whoever was marking that, however it happened. Um, I mean, you heard of the the West Memphis Three, you know? The, uh, I don't know if you remember right. them. Like, and and Damien the Eccles guy in went San to, Francisco, uh, he was the leader of the Satanic Cult. I forget his name. But there was a house that was all black in San Francisco, and, and that's where it was. It was okay. pretty gnarly. Yeah, well, I remember I mean, driving by it. The thing is, is there was like, there was more people causing more of the problems were like, like, imagine if you're not, you know, you're not religious at all. You're not, you're not satanic, but you get accused of being that. And then the fear around it, you know, right. is, that gets is to the point where they're, everyone's getting crazy. And it usually comes from these Christians that are getting super out of control, you know? Right. And, uh, and I don't know. So that was... That was part of my main <laughs> story. But other than that, man, we never ran from so many cops. Like, we, all the time, dude. That was a game to us. Like, we'd be skating, uh, you know, and, and then fucking cops would show up and we'd just fucking skate away. And, they, you know, we were faster than them. We knew all the, the whole town. We knew where to duck around. And, yeah, it was awesome. Sure. When we got caught, we got in trouble. Uh, I'm not. I'm not going to say any more about that. But like, uh, yeah. I mean, was, the population uh, up there is not very big, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Hey, that's and, real uh, far north, Maine. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah, there. like we we could go to you know Canada was pretty close. Pretty close. You know? Okay. Yeah. Um, so. so, do you remember what the first board was that you got? My my first real one was a um, a Jeff Kendall, 
and it was oh. um, remember the graffiti? Oh, it was yeah, like a yeah, spray yeah. spray can. Yeah, yep. that was my first board, and it was like you know it was a game changer. Was there a skate shop, or where would you get it? Man, that's a really good question. That whole entire time, I only rode really hand me downs. Oh. You know, so that's, you know, that's where I got that. And wherever they were coming from, it was always like beat to shit boards, you know, that I would just keep on skating, you know, and give it a more life. Uh, another thing uh, uh, real quick I remember is uh, I had a Lance Mountain, um, but it was a Bonite board. Yeah. And uh, and in Maine, because uh, we used to, you know, it was rain or shine. Like we would, if, if it's like raining, you know, or snowing, like literally we would skate snow banks because they would sprinkle like salt and they would create these banks and they'd become hard enough where we would actually skate the snow banks. But anyways, like Bonite just did not work. It got wet and then it would just, it would ripple up and it was just insane. I remember this. But... One of my, um, my, my favorite boards, and this is pretty relevant uh, to this time, it was, it was Christmas, I had moved to Oregon, and I really wanted this skateboard. It was a Jeff Grosso, and it was a Coca-Cola mm. board. Uh, uh, do, you, yeah. do you remember the... Enjoy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and, uh, and so I think it was because of an ad that, that said that it would make your ollies a certain amount higher. <laughs> and and yeah. I believed it. I'm sure it was just marketing, but they said they like some, probably like the perfect concave scientifically proven to do whatever it was. I wish yeah. we could find that ad, but I, and I so wanted it. And um, Christmas came around and uh, guess what, what, what I got is one of those. And it was, it was the best day ever. I couldn't believe it. I put together this Jeff Grosso and I go skating. It was freezing cold, and there's a covered area, and there was tables. And back then, you know, alling up a table was almost unheard of. And right. me and a buddy, I had that board, and I there was no way I could ollie up a table. Yet, on that day, I was alling up tables, and I... I don't know if the marketing campaign worked or it was like, <laughs> it was just, it was like, what? And it was the best, it was the best, best feeling wow. ever. Um, what and part I, of Oregon? Ashland. Oh, okay. Damn, that's sick. So you kind of just like, it was like, it was told to you. So you're like, oh, I think I can do it. Yeah, it was in, it was totally like a placebo. Like I, I was like, I, there was no doubt in my mind. It's going to be, I couldn't ollie that high, but according to this, the percentage was that much higher. It sh technically should be possible. And so yet, uh. and it was, you know, and it was like, and uh, my mom recently uh, found photographs of me with that board. I recently posted it, and I was just so hyped that there was actual evidence of me holding that board, you know, because it was it's one of those boards that you remember, you know. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure I have a T-shirt still in storage, that uh, logo, the Coca-Cola Grasso one. Oh, I've, uh, sorry. I've saved a lot of shirts. Uh, yeah, wait, you still have a, a Grasso shirt? I, yeah, that low that Coca Cola one. I'm pretty sure I I tried to for some reason I th I always blame my mom because she's an antique collector, um, and my uncle was a baseball card collector. So I had the collecting bug as at an early age. I just held on to things like there was no Marie Cotto back then, right? So we just like kept everything, yeah. and I was like 
think and then eventually i got to an older age where i was like what am i gonna do with these they don't fit or whatever and i started getting that idea i don't know if you ever heard but people cut them up and they make like blankets and put all the graphics together of old shirts i so my, I, my gonna, mom, I have one I, my mom made one for me and she saved rad. i'm so glad she did this dude because she saved all yeah. my old shirts which i wouldn't have you know right. like and uh and i have an entire like a blanket. quilt right quilt with all yeah. my fucking graphics on it and it's like so cool to have plus it houses some other graphics at the time like i think rick howard um the skunk graphic root beer graphic is on there um and other yeah. stuff of the time period but man it's really really cool to have. yeah yeah so that's my dream someday i i got a bunch of shit like that in storage that i gotta just kind of organize and then figure out how big are we making it and which ones make the cut? <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Dude, you should make sure you check because I, I recent, recently uh, found a box of stuff in, in, for some so long ago in storage and moth, moths got to it. You got to make sure oh. that the moths don't get in there or something and start, or, or mice or something that start nesting. Or I chewing. got them in plastic. Uh, th- I think, you know, those boxes that have the uh grips on them so i don't think anything oh yeah you're there. good then yeah i had yeah, the yeah. wrong kind of cardboard boxes <laughs> oh shit that's <laughs> um so when did you get like to the age of um getting like your first sponsor where you knew you were like good enough to like whoa this is a thing i could actually pursue more than just having fun ah uh, that's uh, okay so like skating became I don't know, like an obsession. Like, I mean, that's all there was, you know. And but but then you know, okay. So what it was is I had moved to I'd moved to Oregon, and that's where I dropped out of school because I'm like I just can't take this shit anymore. I'm not learning anything except for how people separate themselves in society and who hates who and who gets along with who and blah blah blah. I wasn't learning shit, and so I was like, all right, well. Yeah. I just want to skate all the time because that's where I'm learning stuff and I'm out and just, just doing stuff all the time. And it was like, and so at a certain point, I'm like, you know what? I can't be in Oregon. I got to move to San Diego because at the time, San Diego was like going off for skateboarding. And so I moved down there, actually hitchhiked down there. And I was like, I was squatting at the time. So I was just living in a, a abandoned buildings. In San Diego? In San Diego, yeah. And okay. and uh, also, I, I did for a little while in Oregon and then a little bit in Santa, Cru- uh, Santa Cruz, like on my trip down where I was like, my 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 main goal was I was like going to go to New York. I was going to go to New York because the skate scene was huh. going off there too. And also, I, I did have family there because my dad lived out there. I was like, maybe I can make it to New York and, you know, and, and that will be the deal. But I got sidetracked in San Diego Partly because the weather was so, everything was perfect. Skating was going off. It was everything that I really, like, wanted. And then I Mm. met, um, reacquainted with childhood friends, right? And then the dad was like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I just hitchhiked here. I'm going to hitchhike to New York. And he's like, oh, you know, he's like, you can stay here for a couple days. And then he's like, hey, if you go back to school, you can live here. And I was like, holy shit. Like, if I go back to school. So I went to, like, a, um, what do you call those, like, secondary schools or um like all the punks and fuck-ups and all that they go to oh these, right like, right these yeah. schools Ours and i was called mid peninsula like i started going i started going to that and uh and i was like this is perfect you know i go to school and i get to live here so that's 
So, you know, I had to get up super early, take the bus, go to school, but then I would skate all the way until dark. And I'd just do this all the time. And then eventually, you know, what I did was I heard about the, there was castle contest back then. And so, okay. Yeah. And I, and I was like, they had, I knew that I was better than, um, uh, you know, unsponsored. There was no way I was, but I wasn't sponsored, but I was like, I, I was like, I'm just as good as the sponsored. So what I did is I came up with the, the, uh, the amount of money, which was, I think 50 bucks or something to enter. I lied about all my sponsors. So I filled out the form and said I was sponsored by, you know, all these companies that I wasn't, and you know, like, oh, Vision and, you know, whatever it was. I was just, like, making shit up. And, yeah. um, and I got in, which means I got to skate against the, the class that I wanted to go against, which I think at the time, if I remember correctly, it was, like, uh, Jeremy Klein, Ron Chapman, like, uh, Donger, oh, yeah. um, John Reeves. I think it was all that you know crowd in that time anyways i Uh enter this contest um and i get first place and uh right that day right uh uh, todd swank comes up to me afterwards and gives me a package i could not fucking believe it he says i don't know was it called uh circle f back then um, or was it call, always called th- Foundation, was, and that was just the logo? I don't remember, but I thought it was. Was there F Troop? I that's what I thought it was. I, I thought it was called Circle F. I didn't even know it was Foundation at the time. But he gave me, and that was one of the shirts. I couldn't believe it, and I got boards, and I was like, no way! And uh, I was so hyped. And and there is pictures of me wearing all that stuff, and I was like, no way! Somehow by lying, <laughs> cheating, I snuck yeah. my way into getting some free shit. Um, and then, uh, I think I ended up doing another contest, uh, and that one was under foundation. And then afterwards, you know, you remember House of Kasai, Lester, Lester Kasai, oh, yeah. um, Adrian Domain, and, uh, they were yeah. on this, they were on this company and it was like, I want to say maybe it was Brian Ridgway that came up to me. I can't, I can't fully remember, but I think it was Ridgway. And he said, Hey man, do you want to ride for? And he did a list. It wasn't just like boards because I still had to scrounge together at the time, like wheels and trucks and everything else, uh-huh. you know. But he's like, "Do you want to ride for Tracker for uh, A1 Meets Wheels?" Uh, you know, for uh, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, and so I was like, "I gotta take the free stuff. Like, I gotta get the whole package," you know. So yeah. that was my journey towards, you know, ending up on Tracker with all those companies, which then turned into Blockhead, you know, because they were under that oh. for a while, too. Was that your first experience with um, hitchhiking or had you done that a bunch? We had uh, we even had hitchhiked in Maine and I think it was maybe a lot safer in Maine or whatever. And at the time, like, you know, I didn't even think about like dangers you know, there was a couple rides I got with like, you know, <laughs> yeah. some, you know, like uh, specifically one, you know, with this, this, this old man that was definitely a, a pervert, you know, like type oh, situation, okay. which yeah. I got out of real quick. But like, you know, there is that element, but like, yeah, I didn't even think about it that much, you know, at the time, you know, at the time you're just like, I was just oh man, here's a place I could, I remember there was a church and the doors were open and I slept under the pews of the church, you know, cause I had nowhere to sleep, you know? Right. And then, uh, huh. I remember, 
I remember, and you know, I got emancipated, but not because we didn't get along with, uh, um, I didn't get along with my family. Like we got along fine. I just didn't want to get them in trouble because I kept on getting in trouble. Like I kept on, like I ended up in jail in, in Oregon, you know, and uh, for skateboarding. Well, Jeez. yeah, I I'd like, I had like always like lied with my name, but on one time I didn't lie with my name because I went back to Oregon and the, I went to these like punks house and they, and then uh, pr uh, like a detective came over and was like doing a, what's a, like a homicide investigation. And I just literally got into town that day. And so he took everyone's name and I gave my name. And so this was years later. And then all of a sudden later that day, I'm out skating with the whole crew and a cop pulls out. I hear my name on the loud speaker, like, Tip for me to get on my knees and turn around, and I literally get arrested. This was all in the same day, by the way. And I go to jail on the day that I had saved my money to go back to fucking, uh, you know, Oregon. And so, oh. luckily, uh, my girlfriend at the time, her mom bailed me out, so I didn't have to stay only for like, you know, a night, and that's it. Was it kind of the feeling of like these are too small a towns for me, and I need like a more action, like? California is the place to be or was it just yes. like I have bad luck with these spots or um the weather and, and well you know and you oh, just get yeah. you kind of outgrow it actually you're right but in a weird way at a certain point if you're gonna try to pursue like I feel like skateboarding maybe not in today but for back then you kind of right. want to go to where where the thing is like you know like sure where is trans world magazine you know like wh where is yeah. all this shit happening where are all these spots where the fuck yeah. are they i gotta go there you know and uh -huh. so you just kind of have to go and so right. and i went with just packing my fucking juggling clubs and skateboard and one pair of clothes and just you know just hit the road just did it like i didn't really have a plan Damn. other than like i gotta go there and then you know eventually like you know worked my way in and started getting free stuff and then i oh yeah check this out i went back to oregon at this point i had gotten on blockhead and i went back to oregon i'd spent some time up there i, I remember i felt like i was gone for a long time you know because at a certain point when you're kind of ingrained and you leave for a while like even if it's not that long it feels like forever and right. i go back and then dave berkthold was like uh, I'm like, I gotta take you out for dinner. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. And I was like, fuck. Shit. I'm getting kicked off the team. This sucks. And I was like, fuck, just, just fucking go and just deal with it, you know, and just be grateful, you know, whatever. And he turned me pro. It was the exact opposite of what I thought. And that's like, and I was like, what is happening? I was so hyped. Anyways, did, it was like, did he surprise you with the board? No, no, he just or, or told he just me. Told you. With, yeah, he just told me. I said, and then, and then, uh, and actually, no, he might have had a graphic. I can't remember. We'd have to ask him. But yeah, my first, my first board back in maybe that was 1990, I want to uh -huh. say, um, and it had the the juggler on the tightrope uh, with the crowd of all this like people on the bottom looking up at the at the juggler juggling on a unicycle on a tightrope. Yeah, wow. sick. Yeah. And, and that was during the days of, what do you call it, Everslick. So there was also an Everslick version of the same board. So back then you'd have two boards, you know. Right. 
Yeah. Rad. How, so how early did you get into juggling? How did that all start? Way earlier than skateboarding. When I was a kid, um, do you know who W.C. Fields is? Yeah. Okay. Most people know him as an old alcoholic actor. Yeah. Uh, but, and he, and, but he was self-proclaimed best juggler in the world. And if you look at some of his old short films... So somehow when I was a little kid, I saw W.C. Fields on TV juggling, and I was, like, completely blown away. I could not believe it. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. And uh, to this day, W.C. Fields makes me fucking laugh so hard. His comedy holds up. A lot of other people, you know, from the time, it, it, I don't feel like the comedy stands true to this time, but you watch W.C. Fields, and that shit holds up. And it's, it, I don't know fucking makes me laugh but uh but i had to learn juggling and so after like bruising a bunch of fruit i think my dad got me actual juggling clubs and juggling balls and you know because i started getting you know learning really really quickly and um huh this had to be i don't know before maine before maine yeah 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 oh before so i'm talking a kid like like okay you know like six or before 10 yeah six you know like seven eight like i got obsessed i got obsessed with juggling and i still am dude i start i just picked it up again i start i picked it up again to work to to create like a workout like a juggling workout not expecting Uh to like do tricks just to like rehab my arm and um, okay so i got these weighted balls but then you know it's something started clicking in the brain again and uh you know i had to dust off some of the old stuff and i was like fuck i have to get some new shit and then i got some new shit and then i and literally it's like for me it's like the best break between skateboarding now again i'm like obsessed with juggling it's crazy and like oh, and, cool. and skateboarding it's like both like i can't stop thinking of tricks and yeah. things to try things to do get and creative. i love get creative and i and i and lately i've been into trying shit that i i i shouldn't be able to do or i've never tried like let's just try something new like uh-huh. who knows what it could be like just think of something and just go for it and then do do that you know like work on that so yeah is juggling at all meditative 100 percent. like it it's, yeah there's a lot for me there's a lot of similarities to uh to skateboarding for, for me because like okay like with skateboarding you're you're bound to fall you know like I, for me like i'm bound to take a fucking slam that's just how i skate like i'm not like <laughs> so i'm gonna slip out and i'm gonna eat shit and i'm gonna get back up you know dust myself it's just part of skateboarding for me right. you know and then yeah and then with juggling you're bound to drop you know you're just bound to drop and you have to pick it up and keep going so i've i i always like it's the same thing. You got to work on stuff. You got to practice. You can just, and I don't even look at it as like really working on stuff and practicing. I'm just kind of having fun and trying shit and thinking of all the angles. And like with juggling, you have your own style with skateboarding. You have your own style. You know, you Uh can go crazy and big with juggling. You can do that with skateboarding. You can get technical with juggling. You can do that with skateboarding. It's just all, you know, lately I've been like juggling and skateboarding at the same time. I don't know. Like I've been having fun doing that too. So, I don't know. Sweet. I mean, it's kind of like skateboarding too, probably where it's muscle memory, right? Like some of the things come back after just a quick, like you could not do it for a while and then you're rusty. But once you start doing it, your your memory kind of is like, oh, this is how you do it. So true. 
So uh-huh. true. That's a hundred percent. Cause I basically took decades off juggling, man. And, uh, uh-huh. and it's weird that it has like came back in a way where I'm hyped on it again. Like I am on skateboarding, you know, like it's like, it's a weird thing feeling. And I'm like, right. w- when you're just sitting there and, and, and all of a sudden you find yourself like calculating throws and like to throw a throw and I move this year and like and you're kind of talking to yourself it's like when you're doing that with skateboarding like you're thinking of like something like your brain is just going for it you know so lately even my my dreams have had skateboarding and juggling in it like it's nuts rad I was wondering about the vegetarian stuff I know you have you even ever eaten meat in your entire life no, I mean, besides... Like, you were born and raised vegetarian, and vegetarian. then you turned vegan later. Yes, that's 100% correct. Um, yeah, so, so back then... So your parents I, had a heavy influence on that, obviously? Like, you oh don't yeah. just come out and go, I don't eat meat, but... They were, you know, kind of hippies, and so uh-huh. they were hip to, you know, tofu and uh, lentil burgers and, you know, all this stuff back then. Um, but, you know, the... You know, back then, I don't think like um, factory farming and animal agriculture was how fucking crazy it's gotten to today. And so I think right. back in the 60s, it was more it kind of capped more at, at vegetarian, you know, because the awareness wasn't fully there. And now there's so much more information. It's so much easier to get. I mean, back then it was like through me. It was like through punk rock scene that I was like finding out shit like flyers, you know, oh, okay. like, you know, back yeah. then it was like way more DIY to find out about why vegan you know now shit I mean I think it's it's pretty much every everywhere because of social media and people there's more awareness all the time and I think even in this pandemic more uh, like vegan meats uh, sales have gone up crazy because of you know all the you know pandemics that we've had or, or not pandemics but like the problems that we've had are related to animal agriculture whether it's mad cow right. or the you know yeah the, all the the swine flu you know or the the bird flu like all these are tracked to animals and there's a problem with these these and now awareness is now getting out there so so i mm. think like more and more people even that you know eat animals or animal products I, you know you look in their fridge and and they don't have a problem like oh that's oat milk so they're even like, you know, or that's soy milk or, you know, rice milk or hemp milk, whatever it is. It's like there's so many options. Oh, it's coconut milk, almond milk. You know, they always have something that's like maybe they wouldn't have had a long time ago. That's how mainstream it's gotten. So it's a lot right. easier. And yeah, uh, I think like it's almond great. milk didn't exist probably when you were a kid, right? Soy milk did and not the soy milk that tastes good. It tastes like soy milk. <laughs> like it's a different <laughs> style. You'd have to go to like you know chinatown to taste the real soy milk and it's it's not oh, like shit. you know it, it you know it's it's a different deal now everything they're getting all the like textures and flavors you know down to a science okay. and it's like a huge exploding industry and that is the future of meat i'm sure of it because it's better uh-huh. for the environment it's more sustainable it's better for people's health and it's obviously sure. better for the animal's health yeah, which is right important too who were some of your uh, early influences? Like, you, you, who were some of the punk bands? My early influences, as far as like music, was it was always punk rock, and and it's funny, dude. I was just looking through old photos 
and uh-huh. uh, and there's a picture of me and my brother hanging out with this band called the Weirdos, because mm. we went to fucking iguanas in Mexico, and they played with Circle Jerks, and this is when you were kids, but you could go to these, you know, you could go yeah. to these places. They didn't card you or anything. And so that was one of the early shows I went to. It was like it was some band called Jughead's Revenge, Circle Jerks, and uh, the Weirdos. And we hung out with the Weirdos uh, backstage afterwards. They were totally cool. It was awesome. And to me, right. they were like gods. You know, they were like punk rock fucking legends. But even way before that, there was a band I saw, and it was the Cramps. Oh, okay, and, yeah. And that was a, a like a life changer. That was a game changer. That was more that that was a full on like oh Fuck. that's what fucking rock and roll is that's what it is and it was like I think the the bands that that opened up was a uh, was uh, let's see man it was B fifty twos for sure Whoa. it was B fifty twos and then um, what's the band with the two guys and they uh, there's some like song it's not Wall of Voodoo. Uh, I can't remember. You would know the band, but I can't remember. Anyways, they're huge, too. Uh-huh. But uh, it was a wow. weird lineup that didn't... And I love shows that are like that, that don't seem like they fit. And Cramps yeah. were, on, were on last because no one could follow the Cramps. No uh, one. And, I never and got like, to see them. Oh, my gosh. It was like... I was... I couldn't believe it. You see Lux Interior on stage, and it is utterly insane. And uh, right. and the way Poison Ivy would just look over with like a scowl, it was like, it was so fucking cool that like, I mean, it was like the it's still to this day like my re- my fucking record collection, so many cramps. Like I still listen to the cramps almost all the time. Like they're, yeah, you know, they're timeless. Timeless, yeah, and it's always good. Yeah. It's like yeah, right. So yeah, well, did like being vegetarian and vegan did that come into who you were drawn to or did you not combine those two things like was like ed templeton like you know what i mean like skaters that were into that did were you drawn to them because of that or did you separate the two no you I know definitely and skaters definitely was drawn to it because i thought it was extra cool so for sure ed templeton he's you know and and uh and uh mike Falali. Um, yeah like yeah, they had I, that shoe company that was no leather and no uh animal right what, what, wait, what, what? It, i think mike valeli and ed templeton had a shoe company that was no animal like no leather nothing i forget what for, it was called for a while i rode on this company through it was edney started it and it was called sheep sheep shoes Oh, maybe that's what it was. Is that what it was? Because yeah, I, I, I wrote for so. that, and and I and I think they were supposed to be vegan. They were all vegan shoes. I wish I would have right. saved some. It was very funny because I remember when I got like uh, my first box of sheep shoes. I guess the way they had printed them out because it literally said cheap, like it didn't say sheep on, printed on oh. the like embroidered <laughs> on. The, on the shoes and i think they were supposed to be more inexpensive shoes but i don't know if that was an accident or if they just did it to like not let right. anyone know the name yet i have no fucking idea but i always thought that uh-huh. was funny that they were called cheap shoes when i first got them Damn. <laughs> let's take a little time out and get a few words in from some of our friends
Tonight it's a blast. Tomorrow you're homeless. 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 Tonight it's a blast. And now for the winner of our first ever giveaway contest where we asked you all to submit creative names of wrestlers. We had a pretty good amount of submissions and after running the names through my brother, we both agree that the winner is Nick Morosco. Congratulations, Nick. You have been selected as the winner for submitting the name. Well, you did submit two names, and we're going to, we weren't sure which one we liked more, but we're going to list them both. You had the Gut Bomber, and you had the Big Deuce. Nick Morosco has won the new double vinyl from dark side of the ring soundtrack available from waxwork records and your choice of any shirt on the talkin schmidt website email your size and address and we'll get that sent out to you as soon as possible thanks again everybody for submitting we always love getting those emails Hey, it's Corey at Blue Plate, 3218 Mission Street. Come see us. Meatloaf, fried chicken, deviled eggs, Dollar Olympia beers. We're here every day of the week. We got a garden and we got smiles on our faces. Come let us make you happy. This is Dylan. And Stevie. From No Comply Skate Shop in downtown Austin, Texas. If you're in town, make sure to come beat the heat and come up and see us. We have all your favorite brands and everything you need. Also, Short Bus might be here and everyone loves him. <laughs> And now for another first impression. This week, special guest Rob Collinson. So yeah, the first time I met Laban, fuck, it was an East Machias dance. We were, I was in middle school and I was at a dance. I don't even know why I was there. All of a sudden, like, everyone's dancing, everyone stops and looks, and there's this dude doing the windmill in the middle of the dance floor. I'm like, what the fuck? I've never seen anyone do the windmill before in my life in person. You know, you only see that shit on the movies, you know? And then instantly I'm like, who is this motherfucker? And then, uh, so basically after he was done breakdancing and fucking whatever, I went up to him like, what's up, man? I'm Rob. Like, and I remember he was really kind of quiet and shy, but then like we hit it off like immediately. Like we started like jumping around and fucking jumping off the stage. Like we we're doing method airs and shit and judos and, and then it was just on from there. Like, we just started skating together. And fuck, man. Laban's a fucking great friend of mine. I've known him since shit. I must have been like 12 or 13 then. Maybe 11 or 12. I don't even fucking know. But goddamn, man. Laban rules, man. Love that guy. Say what up. If you could... Ha okay. Money's no object. Time's no object. Preparation... You can have whatever you want. 
if you're a steak eater, filet mignon, lobster, something like that, what's the ultimate veg? Like, we're going to have the best meal tonight. What's your, your vegan setup? Yeah, okay, so, like, first thing that came to mind was literally just an avocado. But I think <laughs> that's just because that's maybe, like, oh, so salt. fucking good. And <laughs> I don't even fucking care, dude. I'll eat it. If it's a good avocado, I don't even need to put salt on it. But, yes, if okay. you put some salt and lemon on it, of course. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, uh, that is the most insane thing ever. I'm, I'm like, a big hot pepper guy, so I like uh-huh. I like spicy food. Um, so I probably want something spicy and I probably want to do something that's more rare in the vegan world. That's like harder to get, you know, uh-huh. cause anywhere you go, you can get like a burger and fries. I don't care if it's like Burger King or they all have vegan burgers yeah. now, you know, or Carl's sure. Jr. And, and I, and I live in LA, so I'm spoiled. There's vegan restaurants everywhere, you know, and vegan right. taco trucks and, you know, you know, I can get whatever I want, but some of the, you know, the rare, like this is coming into mind is like a, a vegan chili Riano, you know, like something like that just sounds really okay. good. And, and there's, there's many that I can get in LA and it's always like a treat to me, uh, to get it. But you know, a perfect one of those maybe it's, okay. it sounds really good with a little side of beans and rice, like the whole, the whole kit, like that sounds good. Have you, um, fucked with those, uh, impossible burgers? I think I've tried an impossible. I'm pretty sure that's what they do at this uh, vegan burger shop down uh, down the down the street. Um, and yeah, when yeah, I yeah. when I had it, and I think I had it at another place, and it was they they both tasted different because it's how they make it. I think and what okay. they make, you know, how they flavor their burger and how they put together their burger, and um, it was fucking good, you know. But mostly, what I get is the Beyond. It's another, there's the impossible and there's the beyond. And so, I mean, now even Trader Joe's has their own version of that kind of hamburger, you know, the vegan burger, but it's like that style. So, I mean, as, as food technology progresses every year, more and more new products come out, you know, yeah, a new cheese, like lots of new cheeses and lots of new meats. And so they're going to keep on breaking barriers. Next thing you know, there's going to be the most perfect steak you know, on your plate, you know, because they're already right. cracking the code on all this shit using plants that don't have like arteries and, and blood and all that. So you got to like, yeah. and they don't have tendons. So you have to like somehow make plants feel like the, all that stuff, you know, right. And, uh, and they're getting good at it and it's, it's pretty fucking good. And so that I think the more that they get better, like there's no reason for people it's gonna be easier for people to to switch over because they're like fuck it's a good burger it doesn't fucking matter and it's just better for you you know so it's like and i know there's all the stubborn people that want to just like you know eat meat and it's like feels like it's a manly thing to me that's the opposite of a manly thing to me but like you know i think it's more you know stand up for the animals stand up for the environment you know take care of your health like just you know it feels it feels better to do that for me and uh and i think most everyone will sort of go that direction once all these things are presented to them in a way where it's like, all right, you know, and, and it's becoming all right. Yeah. And I think like for the lazy, um, people that dabble into vegetarianism, um, a lot of times they go back to meat because they don't feel like they're getting the proper nutrients and they don't want to take supplements and all that stuff. But I think in time, like, 
once they dial all these things in and you're able just to eat one for one and not have to do any additional work, that could help too. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I'm all for it. I'm liking the world. I'm liking, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm liking the possibilities that after this pandemic, like once, once it gets figured out, like, you know, exploring fucking new possibilities that everyone could explore just a better world for everyone. And man, I can't wait to go out and skate more other fucking street spots and get out there with some homies and fucking even just like, I like, like I said, slapping some curbs. Like there's so many good spots around here. And like, where are you at? I'm in Echo Park. Echo Park, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Damn. So, um, yeah, I mean, if if anything, like, if people don't appreciate things more after this, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, <laughs> yeah, going to do a slappy is going to feel like the best thing ever. And I, I know there's a lot of, like, cheaters out there that are going and doing it and, good, you know, good yeah. for them. Like, But, like, uh, as, you know, as long as you're keeping it safe, you know, I don't – too many crowds. Right. I think it's still, like, since, like you said, there's too many unknowns – don't want to i don't want to accidentally get it when i don't even know i have it and then give it to my wife or something you know or yeah you know someone who's like way more susceptible it's just like i don't want to be a carrier you know and and totally so i mean the saddest part for uh, me and my fiance is that we can't uh spend time with our parents that are you know aging obviously and it's like these are critical days to like spend good time with your parents and your parents are the ones that if they do get it, there's going to be some more serious problems. So that makes it real tough. Yeah, hundred percent. I think that like we'll figure it out, or like people will, people will figure it out. I know, like we just need that vaccine. Come on. I know exactly. <laughs> like they like how come like and and right now America, I guess it's something with America. Like we have the most cases, I think, and like I think we have the most cases and possibly the most deaths deaths right and so uh i think that we're number one in that but that's not a good thing like we're not we're not yeah. prepared for this and uh we should be so uh, even other places that weren't have got their shit together faster maybe they have less people like protesting it you know and like you know the churches want it getting together and all these things it's like dude why do you want to do that like just stop you know let's like take it easy you know, get this sure. thing figured out, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, weird times, right? Yeah, very weird, very weird. Every morning I uh, just, it's like Groundhog's Day. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what, though? You know, if you make your Groundhog Day, like, uh, a pretty rad day, then yeah. that's a pretty rad Groundhog Day. You well, know, that's what like, we're learning. We're we're molding a new way of living, and we're not going to nail it first try. But every day you get a little better, just like Groundhog's Day, where at the end of the movie you got the hot chick on your way to your coffee. You're like yeah. whatever, hundred <laughs> percent, yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. So my, I'm in. I'm like unessential. You know, like I'm. I'm not. You know, I'm not essential. You know, as as far as that goes, like right. And you know, you know, I'm being like. You know, my my main job is I'm a music video director. So and and like what is is like entertainment is music videos essential? No, it's not. So my and they don't even I don't they don't. Yeah, they don't even give out permits to shoot anymore. So I I can't do work like, uh, you know. Right. There's a couple 
videos I'm up for uh, that my agent sent me, and they, they the the label like said like, okay, it's a the a limited crew. It can only be this many people. They have to stand six feet apart, but we need this video. So I I might do a couple like weird jobs with their rules. I'm not sure yet. Um, okay. But I mean, I'm, I'm up for a couple. But the last music video I made was like was before this uh, this pandemic, and it was literally about the zombie apocalypse and it was Whoa. like i had no idea but it's kind of funny when i look back at the last video i made it's a story it's this australian band called hockey dad they're fucking awesome band they they both skate so i incorporate they become skateboarding zombies in in the video oh, you gotta shit. you gotta check it out and they were I uh, will. but anyways yeah it's just kind of um, ironic that that's the that's the video so we'll see oh man but. Um, let's go back to the blockhead stuff. We, I, we didn't really get into like, once you turn pro, are you traveling at all with them? Like oh, as yeah. a team, you got some oh, yeah. tours and stuff. Uh, who were some of your favorite, uh, blockhead guys, um, back then? Oh man. Um, I don't want to c- confuse this with, uh, invisible skateboards, which I started at, uh, me and Dave started after blockhead. So, uh-huh. Honestly, like when I got on on Blockhead, there was like the the older team or the team that was on it. So when I got on it, it was like more of the time of like me and Steve Barra and Rick Howard and okay. uh, uh, Jason Dill. Uh, oh. Like, yeah, it was more around like that era. So I was, right. but honestly, like the people right before, like you know Jim Gray and and um, Sam Cunningham. Like, yeah. I always thought those guys were rad, and I still do. Like, I love seeing their, them skating to this okay. day. You know, it's just rad because they were, like, you know, on before. And so, but, yeah, like, you know, I think, like, back then, like, Barrow was more of a vert skater. So so I didn't skate with him as much, and I'd be having uh-huh. sessions with, you know, every once in a while with Rick Howard. Um, oh. And, and more, more with Dill at the time. But, like, a lot of the skaters I skated with at the, that time – were because more because of the skate shop than than the the company unless unless it was on like an actual blockhead tour but it was like um, you know do you remember Mark Mark Windham and uh, Mark Windham yep this is Marcus Windham you may not know him now it was like I think that was <laughs> shackle me not or you know it was uh, yeah yeah so Sweet it was it, yeah it was Mark Windham and Ocean Howell um, oh yeah Ocean sick those days you know so like. They were always around, so we would always be sort of skating. There was also uh, Sean Christopher. I think his, his name was Sean mm. Begg back then. Um, oh, and, uh, I don't remember him. And we'd be skating EG. Remember Eden Gardens? Solana Beach? Uh, I don't know. Uh, EG Maybe. was a rad, legendary spot back then. Oh, like, really? Yeah, it was kind of like the Embarcadero, but of like San Diego. Like in, in, I'm sure you've seen footy of it. Um, okay. It was, it was yeah. such a rad spot. Yeah, I but never yeah, really so, knew the names down there. But yeah, so it was more like that crowd, you know. And then when like a legend skateboarder like would show up, we would just be blown away. Like one time, Mark Gonzalez showed up to Street Life, the the skate shop, you know, and it, oh. it was unbelievable. We actually went to EG and skated with him at EG, and what he was trying blew our minds. Like it literally blew our minds. We'd never seen anything like it at all ever and uh yeah. it was 
other level incredible. It was like, um, uh, let's see. Oh, Brandon Chaffel was around that time. They were more the Vista guys, Matt Hensley. So we'd go to oh. certain spots and we'd end up skating with the, this crowd. There was kind of like clicks and crowds, like, and then they kind of would blend it like school W or like, so you, you would okay. meet up somewhere and then there's Costin and there's J- John Reeves and, and Donger, you know, like the, you know, and so it kind of like blended together, but everyone, because of location, kind of had their own separate crew, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, Steve Ortega, yeah, there was so many like rippers back then, you know, that we'd end up meeting up with and skating. It was it was rad. And when oh. did you start? Like, what was your first video part? When did you start like filming your like not you filming, but people filming you skating? Probably a blockhead video. I'm assuming it was either a blockhead video or a tracker video, or could have been an A1 meets video. Okay. May it was one of those. You know, I honestly can't remember because everything uh-huh. started kind of happening so fast at the time. And you, it, it, you know, dude, there was so many times we didn't even film back then. We would go out there and just fucking skate, skate and yeah, sometimes be doing shit that I was like, whoa, like in retrospect, you're like, I wish that was on film, but oh, like, yeah. we didn't even think about it then. It wasn't like filming all the time and don't get me wrong i love filming i love documenting mm-hmm. i think it's awesome to do and it's so much easier to do now i think it's great i love mm-hmm. watching watching skating even if it's clips on instagram i love doing that i love it's just cool to document it in my opinion but back sure. then we didn't we didn't think about it it wasn't a part of it it was just the act of fucking going out there and doing it you know Right. Did one of those experiences kind of draw you into wanting to be on both sides of the camera? Uh, you know, I started picking up a camera and filming as well, just because I, I don't know why I was drawn to it. Like I always, I think just wanting to be a filmmaker, like you're kind of drawn to it. And back then I think it was like eight high eight cameras. Like, uh, yeah. you know, I think I started, you know, I started, I made a juggling skateboarding video called caught clean and that's where oh. I fully, fully got immersed into like the filmmaking part of it. So, um, so I combined juggling and skateboarding, get, got all these, you know, skateboarders parts that were like, even if they couldn't juggle, I taught them how to juggle and, and showed them doing it, you know, or you'd be surprised. A lot of skaters know how to do unicycles, know how to juggle. They know how to do all this other shit, even though they don't put it out there. And, uh, and so I, I made this video and I wanted a bunch of like skits and comedy and, you know, funny shit in it. So I just did, you know, ridiculous stuff and made this video called Caught Clean. And that's when I had to learn how to edit, you know, and do graphics and do all that. And, it, you know, and at the time, like, I remember on the first one, I think Premiere, it just came out. So you didn't have to, like, go tape deck to tape deck or whatever it before, like, with, like, making dissolves with levers, literal levers that would, like, make, like, a <laughs> yeah. fucking star wipe or something like that. Like, yeah. we went to Tony Hawk's house, and he had one of those machines, and it was the most high-tech shit ever. And I think uh, Dave was doing something for Blockhead on it or something like that. But uh, but uh, then Premiere One, the first one came out. And I remember I was at Transworld, and um, Ted Newsome was, uh, worked at Transworld, and he knew way more computer stuff. So... I wanted this crazy graphic for it. And so, like, I'm juggling the name, Caught Clean, and it was all done graphically. 
dude, graphics back then took a lot longer, and they and it literally said like once we programmed it out, and then I throw it up and it says it, it it literally said come back in about a week. That's how long it was gonna take to render. Like to render. <laughs> yeah, it said come back in a while, about a week. So we did. So we left. I think we went to oh. Denny's. And, uh, and we just got coffee. We went back and it had like obviously over assessed it, but then it still said come back in about a day. <laughs> so we were like, ah. shit took, I think, a couple days to render it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what kids don't understand is like the beginning days of the internet too, like the dial up modem where it's like, ooh, eat, ooh, 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 and you're like, everything's so slow and you're sitting there. Like it wasn't as fast addicting because it was actually like a pain in the ass to like wait on shit yeah oh and dude and going on tours before there was cell phones holy shit like i remember like having uh pagers like that was the big deal but we had pagers that way like the home base like the company could like page you then you could go to a payphone so that you could call back and see what the distribution needed like some message you know but it was like and we'd have the road atlas and you'd have fucking maps oh, yeah. on the dashboard. You had your one guy that was in charge of the of knowing where to go and the driver would just he's the guy like it was like fuck. There was no like uh Google Maps or anything. Oh that stuff. no, dude. He's the, yeah, it's a game changer all the all the stuff that there is. And and you know what I love it. It's cool. And and uh you know, one of the first road trips I did wasn't a sponsored road trip, but I did a cross country road trip with rob collinson and a couple oh. other a couple other buddies uh and we jumped into a, a car and we started in maine and we drove all the way to california and back i mean it was Sweet. nuts we were just like it was all skate you know what i mean like just pure fucking you know wherever we end up where's where's the parks you have to, it was all done differently like you know researching magazines because yeah. like like you said there's no way to like or find someone who's a skater no way hey where's the you know the skate park where's the spot you know you just have to do it that way you know absolutely yeah rob's always been a road dog he's fucking gnarly like i know he's driven like to arizona or nevada or somewhere and gotten there and like for an hour and then turned around and gone home and shit like he just loves to drive it's like damn yeah uh what's some of like what's one of the crazier have you had some issues with the police uh many times i didn't i never had a except i have i've had one good relationship with a uh a cop and that was chuck wampler uh yeah super good buddy and uh um we are we are a bit drinking buddies uh back you know it it was weird because he was like a a vert skater but we ended up on the same company and then we both ended up moving to la and then we reconnected and we would just we would go out and skate a lot and i remember like dude it was it was gnarly i remember like opening up my like film bag or my backpack with my camera in it i look and there's a revolver and he's like, and I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, oh yeah, I put that in there because he didn't want to skate with it on him. Like shit, dude. Like oh, man. that. That yeah, I was like always a little surprised to find that. Did you see the uh, when um, we did a uh, skater of the year Thrasher uh, for David Gonzalez? They surprised him with a policeman knocking on the door and telling him he was it was too loud or something, and then <laughs> yeah, yeah. gave him the award. It was Chuck. Yeah, yeah. I remember that was so awesome. I was so hyped, actually. No, he. I have 
fucking many Wampler stories, and he's a, he was, you know, like, I'm just going to give you one because I think it's a, an epic representation. Uh, you remember the strawberry uh, bowl contest up in, was that Utah? Yeah, but, no. No, uh, no, it was... Uh, outside of Tahoe. Tahoe, it's that's what right, I meant. Yeah. Tahoe, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Strawberry. So the Strawberry Lodge had the the bowls, and, and so um, and they were having, like, a, a division that was, like, perfect for Wampler. And I was like, dude, because I'd already been up there documenting it for, like... Um, other TV shows at the time, you know, like doing segments on it and just mm. kind of covering it. And then I was like, dude, Wampler, we, you got to go. We always camp. We, we camp in the woods by there. And then, you know, so we went and he, and we're camping out there so that when we drive in where it's been a long day driving and we come in late, the, I forgot that we had to make it there that day because the qualifier, uh, the qualifying was the day before to qualify, to make it to the finals with, and they did it like a session back then where everyone just fucking skates. So uh-huh. we pull up, and his fucking qualifying thing is literally happening. It's already happening. It's going off. People are fucking going off. They've been skating there all day, and fucking. And I was like, "Oh shit, Wampler, fucking! It's we. We don't have time to fucking go set up camp or nothing. You gotta fucking go in the bowl. There's only <laughs> a few more minutes left of your fucking, <laughs> you know." And so he, uh, yeah, he gets his board and, he, and never skated the ball. And starts, you know, learning it and charging. And anyways, of course he qualifies, right? But he's just gnarly like that. And right. uh, so that was rad. So we go okay. to the camping. And that night, for whatever reason, like, we're making hobo packs in the fire. And we're fucking, you know, drinking. I knew the Connors is early the next morning. And fucking Wampler decides to drink on an entire bottle of whiskey. Whatever. And um, gets it just... <laughs> You know, keeps going. And then so I get up in the morning to go cover the, the, the event, you know, and I got my cameras. And I, I, I go, I make it there, and then sure enough, it's it's Wampler's, like, it's the, you know, finals heat. And it's already started. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, shit, I better go back and fucking tell him. So I go back, run back, and I, like, Go to his tent. I'm like, Wampler, fucking your heat's on right now. You got to get up and go. And he's like, fuck you. Like, he's like, fuck off. Like, because he's like totally fucking sleeping. And I'm like, dude, fucking I kick his tent. Like, just fucking just do it. And he's like, get the fuck out of here. And I'm, I'm like, all right, whatever. And so I go back and I start covering the fucking contest. And then who shows up, dude? Wampler. Hungover as you could imagine. He's only skated the bowl fucking one time the day before for a few minutes. And he gets in there and starts fucking skating. And you know when you, like, skate a bowl and you try something gnarly and you fucking slam super hard? (laughs) So he does that. He's, like, doing the gnarly line, just trying to warm up, just grinding and grinding. And then he goes for a huge finger flip lean to tail. Hangs up. Goes to the bottom. Crowd goes wild because it's like, oh, shit, right? Yeah. And he's like, he's like fucking pissed, but that was his wake up, you know? So he's like, Arr! And then, like, he gets back up, fucking gets his next line in, and goes for the same thing, goes fucking bigger, gnarlier, goes for the finger flip land, lean to tail, and fucking hangs up so bad and eats shit straight to the flat, gnarlier than he did the first time. Crowd is fucking now... 
100% on his side, dude, because that was so <laughs> gnarly, dude. And so finally he gets he gets his next run, and he goes for the line again, and he fucking goes for the biggest fingerprint lean to tell, and he fucking makes it. And after the, the two gnarliest slams making it, the crowd yeah. fucking went oh, wild. Yeah. You know, up. and uh, yeah, so he, I, you know what? I'm pretty sure he ended up winning that division. We'd have to double check in, in fucking history, but from what I remember, and maybe that's just my mind, but I think he fucking won. And that was like the perfect <laughs> so representation true. of how gnarly Wampler is. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun. I've been to that uh, bowl a bunch. I think I've been to like one or two of the events, but we used to skate there because it's about two and a half three hour drive from here i loved that ball like i didn't get like yeah, i was always there good. usually for for filming like so i did but then whenever i got a chance like would like oh i can i can fucking put my camera gear away and i can go skate it i it was like to me like one of the best balls to skate because it was one of the right. balls where like to me the deep end was like totally like doable for me because some of these balls like i'm like ah. Eh, I better stay away from this one, you know, but like that one was like, Oh, I got stuff, you know, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. That, that one was a little, uh, user friendly. Yeah. Talk about the big brother cover. How did that all come about? Uh, I was on, I was on two covers of big brother. So I'm going to assume oh, the I'm assume Jesus Cristo. Yeah. I'm going to assume you're talking about <laughs> that one, dude. What's yeah. so funny. You know how I just told you I went to storage and found boxes of shit? Oh, so yeah. I was, so that cover, uh, Mike Ballard shot that photo. Okay. Um, and I don't know how it really came up. It was more like I think I just had a long hair and a beard at the time, and people would say, oh, you look like Charles Manson or you look like Jesus, like whatever it was. It was like, oh, well, let's do a fucking crucified by skateboarding you know, cover. And so Ballard made that cross with all the boards on it to uh -huh. to mount me to it okay. and, and it was either ballard or dave bergfold who made um the the trucks which i was crucified by trucks that looked like they were going through my hands and it was a skateboard truck that was chopped in half and then had these like hooks around it anyways i found them in this fucking box hold on one second okay sick well i guess this is just uh audio so you can't so they can't see it but you can see it dude these are the the can i hold that in the frame right oh wow that's you the actual the, ones they used yeah that's the ones man i'm really bad at aiming to the fucking camera apparently those would hook around and then i could like you know oh, see that oh yeah anyways How and rad. then and then Dave saved the because the crown of thorns was actually made out of grip tape, and so it was uh, like literally a grip tape crown of thorns. And so, okay, yeah, the whole thing was like because I think back then maybe it was also like a comment on people like talking shit back then. I think people talk more shit uh, like uh, about you know skaters, and it was kind of like a comment like how it's like stupid when like there's weird feuds it, back then, and people were like, oh, like. I'm going to talk shit about that person because they don't do a trick high enough or they have a weird style. It's like, I don't give a fuck about any of that, dude. Like to me, like I don't care what level you're at, you're skating to me, you're fucking skating and it's rad. Like I, you know, that whole elitist, like, Oh, like, I don't know. I'm not into it. Like, and back then uh -huh. it was pretty heavy. I think it was like during that early nineties where 
you know, trying to conform into looking a certain way, skating a certain way, you know. Yeah. That yep. was the small it, pants, big wheels times, you know. Right. So when you guys did that, it was already conceived, like you knew it was going to be a cover, or was it like, let's go shoot some portraits, and it was a surprise that it was on the cover? Fuck, that's a good question. You know what? You know what? I literally don't remember. I, huh. I don't remember either way because it was just a cool thing to like do and um, and I it might have been a hope of of Mike Ballard you know to get a cover shot on Big Brother uh, it might have yeah, been like he was always doing creative stuff you know like building stuff mm. for me like you know that I did I ollied over all, over this water uh, waterfall and it's it's literally a water run up. But he built like he measured out the the length of it and built me a, a, a runway on that you can't see on top of the moving water that goes over the waterfall. So he did shit like that, which took skating, you know, to the next level with a photograph. You know, yeah, yeah. he was he was Sick. awesome. Was what was the other cover? It was with um, who was all on it with me? It was Preston a cuff um, Pontius Chris Pontius. Uh -huh. um, and we were like bums. It was called the bum cover or the bum issue. It was the uh, bum okay. issue. And so there, and I was doing a, a tail slide on a dumpster. So as I'm doing like a, a tail slide on a dumpster, they're all hanging out, like digging through. And Jeff King, I think was one of the bums too. So it was like three bums and myself dressed as a bum doing a tail slide on a dumpster. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Did you, and, did you go on a big brother trip ever? No, not on a specific big... I was in all the Big Brother videos, but, like, it was yeah. just... Uh, I, I don't know how it happened. It was just like, hey, can you do this type of situation, like... Dude, you know. some of that shit was so epic. <laughs> yeah. The one yeah. where, like, they went to Disneyland with Slayer. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? And oh, I think yeah, Lance Conklin or somebody dove into dove the in. submarine ride. <laughs> it's fucking insane like when you the think water. about it. <laughs> yeah, because, like, what is in there? There's, like... I think track. I don't know what is it. And how there. deep is it? We don't know. Yeah. I think he got a. Uh, he definitely got banned for life. I'm sure at Disneyland. You yeah. Know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh um, man. Then you got into filming more and more, and mm -hmm. I believe Fuel TV came. Is that right? Yeah, and I was like, I started like segment producing on other of their shows. So I was one of the main segment producers on a show called captain and casey and so i was oh, yeah. doing i was doing all this content for them and then okay. eventually i was just like okay i had all my own ideas and i i didn't know who the executive producer of the network was but then i was like you know what i'm gonna pitch some stuff so i i found out who he was i reached out and i said listen you know I'm, i've been segment producing on on your other shows for for this long but i got some i got some ideas and so i I get a meeting with them and, uh, and he may, you have to sign a paper that says they already have your idea, <laughs> which is pretty funny. But so I signed this stuff and I said, okay, here's my ideas. And then I noticed behind him on his little fucking shelf, he has a video that I made with Wee Man called American Misfits. And it's, it was just, we made a video together just for fun. It was after, I think he did the first season of Jackass or, you know, and, uh, and then, or maybe it was the first movie. I can't remember. We made this video, got distribution and he had it back there. 
And then, so after I do my pitches, he actually takes it and he's like, he's like, actually, I'm interested in this. And I was like, oh, okay. So I had already like owned all the rights to that, that American Misfits. So I sold it to him. Uh, You know, I, I sold him that everything about it, like here. And then, uh, and I worked a 13 episode um, season. And that's how right. that kind of started. And then I did another season, another season. And then that turned into a show called Built to Shred with, um, right. you know, Jeff King. And then that was also, we did a show with Chris Lambert called Slam. And uh, uh-huh. then we also did a late night comedy show called Stupid Face. I mean, we did so much fucking producing and making content. It was crazy. I mean, all, we had a trap. We had to just do so much. It was almost like, needed a break after that you know like it was so much fuel tv it was new right and so did you kind of have like a lot of flexibility to just do as much as you can like as opposed to like later on if something's more established there are like more guidelines and rules or whatever whoa well that was crazy um you know what i mean yeah i mean it was kind of new and it was kind of cool at the time it's not anymore obviously they blew it and they brought in like fox sports people and then went more with like fucking you know wrestling and fucking you know bikini girls on the beach whatever it's just terrible content that those kind of dudes liked but for a while there it was like man there was free range so like i we'd pitch ideas and mostly just get the green light you know we'd pitch a segment it was weird though because like uh, doing built to shred i had to convince them for years that it would be a good show because and i started mm-hmm. it out as a show as a something called create escape you know and then um and that was even on the captain casey show and then it slowly like you know progressed into a segment on american misfits called built to shred that we do the end and we slowly make it bigger and bigger just to show them it's so open to possibilities And then I was like, it doesn't just need to be skateboarding. It can be snowboarding. It can be surfing. It can be fucking uh, bikes. You know, like it can be all these other things you can build and shred. And so as soon as that sort of came into play, it became like, oh, it's a bigger thing. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a little biased, but uh, Barn Dog and Damien, that was uh, (laughs) huge for us. Dude, you know, uh, having Toad I, and Strubing, those are the homies. And then uh, we had that one where it was like a party at Shotwell at Toad's house, and when everybody yeah. dressed up. And, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually was asking Toad about it a while ago, and I was like, "How come those, you can't get those? Like they're not on YouTube or Vimeo or anywhere." I have the hard drives. I would have to like dig up the episodes and then just export them for and put them out there and it's like okay i see what you're doing and i gotta fucking i gotta end up doing that all right i'm gonna figure it out just give me (laughs) just give me give me some time uh i'm gonna dig up how fun was that that you guys you guys had a budget for where you got to fly to hawaii and do oh yeah yeah. (laughs) we had a budget i mean it was a tv show so we could do shit and like and it was their idea they pitched it you know like hey we want to do this thing and i was like that sounds fucking hilarious so yeah one of the ones we went to hawaii and dude if you watch one of the episodes Right. We, we it. I think in the story, they they get on surfboards in, in, in California and they end up paddling. Yeah. 
to Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii. Yeah. So so we had to do these ocean scenes, I think, here and you know, and then also in Hawaii. So we get out to this beach and we're paddling out there and fucking I don't know what it was in the fucking water. I don't know. A, t- a fin comes up, you know, like we see a fin. And, uh, and it was a little further out, but like there's fins and you, you never, and I, so they're on surfboards. I'm like paddling in the water with like, you know, water housing gear. So I'm all the way submerged and I was like scared, but I, I so wanted to get the shot. <laughs> like, no, we got to get the fucking lines. We got to get the lines. You never seen Strubing paddle so fucking fast to shore. You never seen him move that fast he's no fuck this fuck this and it was like anyways we we did end up getting it but uh yeah that was that was pretty funny we went to wallows on that trip and i think barn dog and damien went to wallows on that fucking trip you know wallows dude yeah that's the shit dude to be able to do those kind of things it's just like what kind of life do we have? That's amazing. <laughs> that was the beginning of Low Card too, right? Like Low Card had just started, and then I feel like they had like a commercial or like a little segment on a on a program every once in a while. Uh, on American Misfits, on on okay. the show, uh, there would be like yeah. a Low Card. It was a Low Card segment. It was called it was called Low Card Pages. Okay, yeah. Low Card Pages, and it was just some like usually it was like the shittiest, smallest quarter pipe. With just yeah. like shredding on it, and that was it. It was like a different segment like that each time, and it was it was rad because it was total perfect low card segment. Uh-huh. You know? One time, like we we host we special guest hosted, I think uh, uh, what's it called? It was a, a talk show called The Daily Habit, and so you know uh, uh, of the guests that we brought on, like we brought Rob Conson on as a guest, and we also brought oh. uh, Chuck Wampler on as a guest too. So I thought that was we we had like good choice of people to bring on there fuck uh, rad but none of that stuff like they don't have archives of it or anywhere like to but uh, what happened to it yeah they do they must but what happened to it i don't know it, it, yeah. when it changed to the the, the fox sports people who knows uh-huh. what they did with all that stuff and like technically we were supposed to like like give all of our you know hard drives and stuff back to them like they have all the masters but i have all the raw you know, hard drives, what are still working at this point? Because uh, right. these old drives, you know, like are not yep. stable. <laughs> and uh, and so some of them won't even like show up anymore. But like I still have like <laughs> hundreds of drives. dude. Damn. Uh, <laughs> did that period when you were doing that, did that open the door to uh, meeting somebody or how did you get into doing the music videos? That's uh, that's a good question, and you know what? It's like starting from fucking nothing. It's like starting from nothing again. It's like there's no connection. Like the oh. worlds are so far apart. The only, the, like literally after all that, I was like, I mean, I've always loved music videos. Like when I was a kid, yeah. I would like record with VHS. I would record like. Um, uh, Headbangers Ball, and I also record like um, 120 minutes. That was like their alternative like music section. Oh, yeah. And then I and then yep. Yo MTV Raps, and I would have like all my separate favorite videos. Like I remember recording like King Diamond because he was like guest hosting on Headbangers Ball, and I used to love King Diamond, still do. Sick. And uh, yeah. and so I was like, I started doing a f- 
few commercials, but I didn't really like that world, even though the pay is fucking fun, great and phenomenal. Uh-huh. But it wasn't like something that I felt like I would be wrapping my ideas around because a lot of times with that, there's an agency and it's like a different, you know, you're just coming in to get shots. You're the director. That's it. And so with the music videos, it's more like I come from in skateboarding where it's like it's like more skate style. It's like, OK, this is going to be my idea. If it gets approved, I get the budget, then I get to do my idea, you know, my concept. Uh, and uh, and it's a short enough time, you know, three, four minutes, you know, five minutes, whatever the song is, to do mm-hmm. a cool story. You can you can do a lot of cool imagery in a short time. So when I first got into it, I was like, okay, I have no connections. Who's going to fucking give you a music video if you've never done one? So I was like, that's how I've done everything else. I just had to do it and be good enough at whatever I did it at so that other people would want it. You know, whether it's right. skating, you know, you just have to be on the level at the time of whatever it is to, to be a part of it. So I, I knew friends that had bands. So I was like, hey, you know, you don't have, let's make a music video. So the first music video I made was some, uh, was for a band uh, that they funded. I was like, listen, like, we got to come up with a budget. And it was $2,000. So it was a really low budget. And I said, but you're taking care of, you know, catering for your dancers, your people, your, uh, you know, you're doing your own wardrobe, all that. I'll take care of my crew and my thing. So I still compartmentalized that stuff. And um, it was a band called Fish Tank Ensemble. And and they had a huge gypsy wagon. And we reeled that around fucking downtown L.A., reeled a fucking map from Italy, a gypsy wagon, a real one, and and reeled it, moved it around, towing it on a fucking truck. You know how big this thing was? And uh, <laughs> and we had no fucking permits. And when the co- and we had like literally like fucking 25 extras, you know, to make it look like a big entourage plus the band. It was like a big shoot, but it wasn't. It was like the lowest budget and we're out there and cops like came up and they looked over and there's no way that they would think that we're actually stealing all these shots, you know, that this is complete guerrilla filmmaking because it looked too big, you know? So it was like, so I, my, my idea was like, okay, I'm going to make some low budget music videos, but I'm going to make them at least the idea. Cool. I'm going to make it look like, okay. So, so I did, I ended up making a few friends videos and then all of a sudden, like I got, um, I made a website, I put it out there, and I got a contact from a from a scout from, it was Warner Brothers Records, and they were like, you know, wanted to give me my first, you know, break or something like that, or, you know, they saw my videos and they couldn't afford to go to the directors with agents because their budget was too small. So I was like, oh, it's a, that's a way in. So by making other stuff that are kind of like your sponsor me video or whatever that is, you're just putting stuff out there, it always right. brings back more stuff because you have to put stuff out to get stuff. Like that's just the way the universe is going to work, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, that turned into me making these things called official lyric videos. So I made all these lyric videos and they became really popular because kids were like a song would come out, the single would come out, and then the kids would not know the real lyrics, but they think they did and they would try to just have a shitty font with a shitty scroll or have the lyrics pop up. And uh, in the record labels were like, why don't we just do our own official lyric, lyric videos and make them cool? You know, that, that, you know, 
are, you know, and they, some of them get more views than the actual official video. So I ended up making, you know, a bunch for Alicia Keys. Um, I ended up making one for Justin Timberlake and that started getting me more bigger, you know, then I did that one for Justin Bieber where I got him to skate and, uh, oh. that's got the most views out of any of my videos, I guess, cause it's Bieber and, and uh, he yeah. does an inward, an inward heel flip in it. And I, I, and it was him and uh, Sheckler put them together skating. Oh, they're yeah, kind and, of the same dude from different worlds. Yeah, it was perfect. And, uh, yeah. and anyways, that video, and then I drew like the lyrics, like, and, uh, animated all through that video, just drew on almost every frame of that video. And so I made, yeah, you know, but then after that, everyone wanted, you know, that kind of thing, but for way less money for an artist that you've never heard of. I'm like, dude, Bieber, of course, like, I've, you know, that's going to get, exp that's going to get work, but like, I never heard of this yeah. guy and your budget's lower and like, I have to do all this fucking, no, no. And that, yeah. that is, I think that is what got me an agent though. So I did oh. all these videos with no agent, like nothing. And then all of a sudden, like I get an agent and, th you know, and, uh, and then I was like, literally like no lyric videos, I'm not doing it, you know, cause okay. I have to, I don't want to be boxed in, you know, right. to that. So I was like, it has to be official videos. Cause everyone wants what you, you know, you ha you do something good. Everyone wants that. It's like, no, I yeah. gotta progress. And eventually I made a music video for this band called war paint. That got me a lot more possibilities because I was roommates with uh, the bass player, Jen, in, in that band. And then that just worked out. I made like two videos, uh, uh. Uh, two songs, one video type situation. And we shot in Griffith Park, you know. Uh, yeah, it was rad. At night, we lit up Griffith Park. No one had ever, I don't think, done that. That was pretty cool. Uh. Did you get permits or you just went in? Oh, no, full permitted. For, for oh, full okay. permits had to yeah, yeah. I had fire marshal and there's lighting there you know you're out in the park like yeah and right Mark markovich was living at my house at the time so he came out to the set and he tried the uh the gnarliest gap if you watch that video he tries the gnarliest gap and uh and totally doesn't make it he's like like <laughs> trying hard and then like and that that's when the video just became like okay this is just like a skating this is just filming so i was like you know, one of the band members came up and just said, hey, are you all right? It was just all this, like, real drama that was happening on the shoot. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. It, it was rad. I've tried to put skateboarding in a lot of the music videos uh, that I've made when it works out, when it's, when it's good for the story or that or that why not? It could be anything. Why, why wouldn't I want it to be skateboarding, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. like I said, even, even in the last one, the zombies are fucking skaters, you know? So... <laughs> Is there one that you're kind of most proud of? That's a tough one. Um, I I don't want to. I I can't say. I mean, there, each one has its own sort of unique thing because, like, uh -huh. you know, one actually, you know, you know how it is. Is like one might do better where it gets way more fucking views and likes and and all that. But you know, another one has a less budget, but you like the project. You're like, oh well, this is so cool right. because I get to do this. Like, I remember I made this like lyric video for slash and he was actually in the video i mean he never he hates video but I, I got a cameo of him he came over to my fucking production company and i built this whole set and he did his cameo and i and it's like so weird when you do one video you never know what it's going to lead to so years later i get this get uh this request to do a video for this band called satiricon 
they're one of the original fucking black metal bands from Norway. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude, that is insane. And the budget was, was you know, low. And it was off their new one of their newer albums. And I was like, but you know what? This is fucking Satyricon and they're fucking rad. And so I created this whole, you know, idea with like Baphomet, you know, and, uh, and, and this sort of ghostly world with this sort of like, I don't know, that was a really cool video. I just really liked making that and getting to do something. Sure. You know. That's what's cool is when you have the opportunity to take a lesser, maybe paying job or, or whatever, but to work with somebody that you you're like dude as a kid this is a dream come true how am i gonna pass this up exactly that's and that's like you know some things you do you know for the money but some things you do for the love and it's kind of like that like you you know so you know not all Uh. the time does it need the fucking money at all because it's like the fucking coolest project and you just want to do it but then other times you're like oh this is a shitty band and a shitty song but fucking need the money right now or something like that so you know what i'm never gonna have this in my collection but i'll make a fucking cause video for it did you ever get to like did you ever do one that was fuck like this is a nightmare or just a disaster or a prima donna or some shithead you had to deal with or 100 percent, dude and 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 they those jobs like almost kill you and the weirdest part about those jobs it's always the least paying that is the most prima donna with the most expectations wow because they might have seen something else you've done or the or they might have seen some fucking huge lady gaga video or something crazy that costs like you know a couple hundred thousand dollars and they're paying four thousand dollars something insane and the and expectation not matching budget with some fucking wannabe pop star and the management team around them that's gonna they're the next big thing no they're fucking not and (laughs) and it's a nightmare of a job yes i've had those jobs and i and i try so hard to notice them early on and 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 now it's really easy because when i see it i can see the fucking red flags I just send a a message back to my agent saying, no, (laughs) no, you can (laughs) actually detect it before you dive in. Yeah. Cause a lot of times they send a brief, uh, and Ah. and judging by certain things, I'm just like, uh, no, 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 no. Right. Get someone else. You know, it could be a, there's a, you know, I don't need to do it. Get someone else who's never done anything and take a fucking chance on them. You know, cause I, I was there at one point. But I don't need right. to be that guy anymore, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is is there anything that you still have as a goal or something that you're dreaming of doing in the future? Someone you're working with or some type of thing? Do you want to try to make a movie at some point? Yeah, of like? course, man. Like, of course. To me, like, make. I've written like three different feature scripts, and I and I. It has been a dream since fucking childhood to do to make. But in it, for some reason in my head, it's it's the biggest deal in the world, you know. Like for me, it's the biggest, uh. it's the biggest deal. It's almost like I've 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 made it too big of a fucking thing. When really, it's it's just production and scenes. It's the same shit I've been doing for fucking decades, you know. Right. I just need to put it together. You just get your your budget, the put it put together your fucking schedule and fucking bang it out. And that's. 
that's really the approach that I need to uh, to take because I've even started on one of my films shooting scenes and I've shot scenes that are really good and now it's at the point where well shit I might as well let this actor grow up and recast them as them when they're <laughs> older for the fucking movie you know it's yeah. like but who knows you know you never know with this life and, and you know I hope that one day I do um, in the meantime I just really enjoy um life by you know by doing my my thing skateboarding and juggling and playing music and and stuff like that but also like making music videos for a living i mean that's crazy but like you know just doing that and and just maintaining that for a while because you know what honestly all those tv shows i did that didn't that doesn't i don't think translate to making a film but i think music videos do because it's more of a uh, uh, 100% complete story to tell. Because I usually like to do not just performance. I like to do some story. Sure. And the the way that I approach it would probably be more like a music video, you know, than a TV show. Like, just as like, here it is. Here's what you need to capture. Like, you know, do that. And bring out really strong performances and, like, dig into right. it. We'll see, you know. I mean, like I said, I like... I'm. I like what I'm doing right now, so I want to just continue doing that. Because and also because like you know skateboarding is is like a regular thing in my life. That's all. That's it, like a. I'm basically you know what I'm on an every other day schedule with skateboarding. I'm not. I I can't really skate every day because uh, just my body's fucking beat up. Like I said, I fucking for sure slip out and in, in this in in the the. The falls and the bails and the and the slams, they take me out for the whole next day usually. Like I have to like, oh my fucking neck's tweaked and I fucking you know. And so I gotta let let this fucking go. And then the day the next day I'm like, okay, I'm feeling I'm feeling back. So I've been on it every other day with with that for for a long time now, and it's mm. it's cool. That works. That's yeah. If you give it up completely, it's really hard. Like if you only do it like once a month, it's like kind of impossible. You have to do it pretty regularly. The older you get, just to have your body be able to do it. Yeah. It's like Chico Brenna's. He's he's my uh, like I look at him and I'm like that guy is the motivation because he skates. He he's like, dude, I skate every day. Whether I want to or not, I just go roll around just so that my body can actually do it every day when I really want to, you know? Yeah. Oh, man. And, that, and like, something to be said. Chico's style is 100% the fucking coolest style that I've ever seen. It's like amazing. And it's rad because I just watched some video and he takes slams. Like, he fucking slams. Oh, yeah. Because I think, like, he's only gonna do the trick with the best style ever so like if it strays from that he might still go for it but it's not gonna he's gonna slam or something i don't know uh but it I, i'm just impressed especially with these fucking rad like old school shapes that he's using like how fucking rad he makes it look and smooth yeah. and cool and everything about it dude oh uh, yeah super rad. big love for cheeks um anything else what you want to talk about I mean, I feel like I've been talking about fucking myself for too long. We like I should have opened it up for you. I apologize for that. I just want to say thanks for uh, having me on your uh, show, and that's pretty cool. 
No, it's, uh, nobody wants to hear me talk. They like <laughs> just hearing me do a quick question and then having like elongated answers by the cool people that I'm talking with. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Um, we usually end with like a song that you want to, that you're into. Let's go out with MDC, Millions of Dead Cops, and the song Born to Die. Um, I got that tattooed when I was 15 years old on my uh, across my back. My brother made a homemade tattoo gun, and um, that song is just as powerful and relevant as as ever. The war, the kick of cane, fast USA. The war, the kick of cane, fast USA. You know, I'm born to die, I'm born to fry, my life in a cage, so my rage, I'm misunderstood, I do what I could, I made my try, I'm born to die, going home, my mind is blood, I still arrive, I die, my gates, I'm shot down on a fence, I'm dead in self-defense, I live in a world of hate, with no regret, a Nazi state, a racist dream, a world of hate, with no regret, Nazi state, no war, the ticket can't go fast, USA, the war, the ticket can't go fast, USA. I'm born to die, I'm born to fry, my life in a cage, show my rage. I misunderstood, I did what I could, I made my try, I'm born to die. Going on my mind is blood, I still arrest, I set my gates, I'm shot down on a fence. I'm dead in self-defense, I live in a world of hate, with no regret, I'm not to stay in a race, I'm dreaming a world of hate, with no regret, not to stay in a war. The king of Kano Bash USA, the war, the king of Kano Bash USA. Thanks, everybody. If you need more Schmidt in your life, this week, Quarantine Call has you covered. Did a long interview with those guys over at Shieldless Magazine. Should be out this Friday. Till next Tuesday, peace out. Today, we are together. We are unified and on one accord. When we are together, we got power. That is why we gather today to celebrate our own. We spit flows on bowls. Listen to the message that you never know. Got a plan for the man in this federal, the rhyme animal. Back to play the part again. Clear the madness and put the message in deep. The enemy is back to rip the mic. We come together, so don't believe the hype. Check my tone, there's a war here at home. We united and strong and never move we alone. Justice, equality, and freedom now. Put fam first, man, woman, and child. Never mouth, keep it hostile till we raise. Where we say what we mean and we mean what we say. It's been a long time coming that we mob as one. Gorilla funk. Hard truth, nigga, that's what's up. No peace on the street till the justice come. From the ballot to the bullet, if it's on, it's on. I ain't letting nothing hold me back. I'm they gon' have to pop me to stop me See, I ain't letting nothing hold me back I block me.
They gon' have to pop me to stop me. Believe I ain't letting nothing hold me back. I block me. They gon' have to pop me to stop me. My brother, I ain't letting nothing hold me back. I block me. They gon' have to pop me yeah. to stop me. Yeah. That's yeah. real talk. You want my target? I got proof. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Schmidt. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. When you subscribe, you'll get notifications every Tuesday of new episodes the minute they become available. Also, please leave reviews and a five-star rating. It's the best way to help the show grow. All of the episodes will always remain free, but if you would like to help support the show, you can do so at TalkingSchmidt.com, where you can pick up some merchandise like t-shirts, beanies, hats, and stickers. The website has an entire archive of all of the episodes, with extra photos and videos. Email us with any suggestions, comments, or ways that the show may have improved your life at TalkingSchmidt at gmail.com. All interviews are conducted, edited, and produced by Schmitty. The intro music is Mary's Cross by the band Nature. A very special shout-out goes to the executive director, Cheryl Camisa. This is Talking Schmidt, where the Rolodex is deep, but the conversation is deeper.